Hey guys, it's Brad. Welcome to Remote Software Genius. Yeah. All right, and we're live. All right, hi, Drod. Second hey. time's a charm today. We'll see. Well, cheers to you. <laughs> what, what, are, what are you drinking? This is Bullet Rye with a couple of ice cubes. So, Ooh. proud favorite. Yeah. After after our Louisville trip, I just neat, you know, neat, neat, neat. Yeah, right. I, I I prefer to have a little bit, you know. Yeah, I a little agree. cool. All right, all right, we're we're live. So hi hi everyone. Um, we're doing the happy hour edition of our interview today for Remote Software Genius. We have Mr. Gerard Howlett here. Hi, Gerard. Um, Gerard, uh, Gerard and I were two thirds. Uh, of a computer science department in college, which is shocking. Uh, so seriously, there were three majors, Gerard and I were two of them, uh, graduating class in 2009. So Gerard currently works at Google and is a you know general heavy hitter in New York. Um, and let's hear some stuff. So Gerard, let's talk about what you do now first, and then we'll talk about like how you got there. So tell, tell us what you do. Sure. Um, I lead a team of product specialists that specifically provide service and solutions to the publisher ads ecosystem. Uh, and that is inclusive of the Google ad manager suite of products and also the AdSense suite of products. So essentially all of the platforms that Google provides to publishers to be able to monetize inventory on their networks. So the actual like money-making part of Google. Good job, man. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it is definitely um, a smaller element of the money-making aspect of Google, which is crazy to say out loud because it is a considerable amount of money. But if you think about the buy side, that's really where a lot of, um, of that comes from, especially given its tie into search. Um, but yeah, it's, a, it's definitely a very critical component of the ads ecosystem. Can you give us like a, a two minute like sneak peek into like Google culture? Like is there Google New York? Like people might not even know that's a thing. The office is huge. Google New York, is it like weird versus like Mountain View or like Google X guys? Just like, do they have tin foil hats? Like tell me about <laughs> the, no, seriously though. T tell me about the, the Google culture and like what, go, go. Yeah, yeah. Google culture has definitely been the reason why I've stayed there for so long. Um, recognizing the fact that everyone has their own experience. I've been blessed to have really great leaders and to always have like groups of people that I work with that I enjoy working with and that I learn from and that I would even consider connecting with outside of work. Um, so yes, Google New York is definitely a special culture unto itself. It is the second largest campus in all of Google. Uh, there is an expansion plan currently in place to actually grow the New York campus from, I think, around 10,000 now to close to, tw yeah, close to 20,000 in 2023. With everything going on right now, some of the construction is delayed and whatnot. But um, yeah, the New York culture is my favorite. Um, it's very dynamic, very fast paced. The offices are incredible. Um, and I would say the food in the New York office is the best that I've been to outside of like maybe the LA office and the Tokyo office. That's cool. That's also cool. You've been to those other offices. That's fun. Um, was 
so I, I don't know. We didn't really talk about our dream jobs in that way when we were at school, but do you, do you think Google was your dream job? Like, and, and like, tell us a little more about like your career path and how you got there. Yeah. Yeah. So I would say Google was always a place I wanted to work. I never really had like a dream job per se. I remember when I was like 13, I had this ambition of becoming like uh, a VP of information technology. And I didn't even know what that meant, but I was like, that's something that I feel like I could do. Lots of letters. Um, <laughs> yeah, lots of acronyms. Um, but yeah, I guess in terms of my progression, you know, I grew up having a fascination in computers and like how they all came together. I think I built my first one when I was 13. So naturally that brought me to wanting to do something in the computer field, whether it was engineering or computer science. And when I decided to go to Kalamazoo, uh, I knew immediately that like computer science was where I was going to spend a lot of my time. Over the course of my time at Kalamazoo, I figured or I learned that I actually enjoyed economics as well. So I took a bunch of econ courses that have been hugely beneficial to me in the long term. And then, you know, started working at a company outside of college that I had done an internship with. Uh, didn't actually end up being what I thought it was going to be, but over time became the type of role that was actually perfect for the skill set that I brought. Then moved more towards like understanding the holistic customer life cycle of like prospecting, uh, pre-sales, post-sales implementation, like maintenance retention for contracting and stuff like that. And that's kind of like the process of how I've gotten to the role that I'm in now, yeah. uh, kind of completing that by leading a team that does post-sale implementation. Yeah. Well, you also like made the big move of trying to get an MBA pretty fresh out of college, which like ended up helping you out, right? Overall. Oh, yeah. 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 It's definitely beneficial. It was uh, three years of my life where I didn't have a life. So that was something. But yeah, hugely beneficial. Yeah like that was a that was a big risk though right like i don't know the the banker boys are like oh top five are bust and and you went to more of a technical school and almost treated it kind of like executive education like okay i'm what my i'm gonna tell your story and you tell me if i'm right or wrong what i what i see that you did you're like oh shit like i'm um in with these developers and but i like sales and i'm like actually like an outgoing person or whatever i'm, I'm gonna go you know follow the bucks or something and, and go get an mba and then i'm then i'm superman then i have this this uh superpower that is programming and on top of that i understand everything there is to know about business and the real uh sales that drives growth and profit in business. Is that, I don't know, is that fair? I would say that it's not too far off from what my experience was. <laughs> um, I, I, would, I would clarify by saying I came out of Kalamazoo with a computer science degree, knowing that I didn't want to be an engineer for yeah. all of my career. I didn't want to pigeonhole myself into yeah. just sitting in front of a computer and like writing code and, and things like that. Also given the fact that like, it was a lot for me to get to the outcomes with coding. So I would end up beating my head into a wall trying to figure it out. And then I'd go to someone like you and you'd be able to be like, oh, you gotta fix this. And I'd be like, ah, oh, it took me three days to get to that outcome. But um, I think for me, it was, uh, I wanted to have both deep technical skills, but also 
a way to tangibly tie that to more broad elements of the business. So for me, it was like going back to get my MBA while working because that's a whole nother caveat. I didn't oh, yeah, I about leave work to like go into my program. I had to have a program where I could work part-time as well. Oh, well, work full-time and go to school part-time. And that's kind of how I approached it. And it really helped me to take things that I was learning and put them into practice almost immediately, which then made it easier for me to accelerate once I got out of school into a, a role that really took advantage of all the things that I had learned. Yeah. I feel like, do you, do you, I feel like you're the MBA, you're the employee, you're the manager of the future. Like you, you gotta, you gotta know the basics of programming and data, at least like querying data and organizing and like doing some like baby prototyping and stuff like that. Do you, do you agree? Uh, do you like, look down on other MBAs that can't, you know, they don't know any SQL or, you know, like can't mess around in Python or like don't, you know, that, that just throw around tech buzzwords and, you know, talk out of their rears. I mean, I wouldn't say I look down upon them, but I would say they're not, <laughs> I would say they have an opportunity to do better by like learning at least one language that allows for them to speak to engineers. Like that's, I think you, you mentioned something about being like having a superpower. My experience and my, my background has allowed me to have the superpower of talking not only to salespeople in their language, like yeah. dollars and cents, but also being able to translate that into what requirements are necessary to actually move a product forward in context to what the customer actually wants, right? Mm -hmm. I know it with confidence that I can go into a room full of engineers and product managers and bring them clear indications as to why what is being asked for by a customer is important and be able to set requirements that help them to go execute. Now, whether they listen to me or not is a whole different thing because sometimes you deal with people having different incentives and whatnot, but that's the superpower that I think I bring to the table given my experience. Yeah, and that's the one thing I, I think. I, let, let's promote Kalamazoo College for a minute and their computer science department. Like, I, I feel like we got a very. There's only three of us. There's way more now. I think there's like twenty. You would know better oh, yeah. than I do. It's like thirty or something at least. It's a small school. Their intro to the CS courses now are like thirty plus people, which is insane. Yeah, there's only like twelve hundred <laughs> people at the whole school, just for context. But I feel like we just got such a a good array of like just personalities to deal with, and I feel like we weren't. Yeah, sometimes do I wish I went to like Carnegie Mellon or something or like MIT? Sure, but I feel like I could have been just just an egghead walking around not being able to talk to anybody. So, I don't. I, I'm I'm happy with what we did. So let's you know, thanks guys. Um, yeah. Do you do you code? You you've got to code a little bit. Do you code anymore? Tell tell me about like what do you do you even do you code for fun? That's like a kind of a developer I, interview <laughs> question. But do you? Yeah. Tell me, tell me about what you do. Where are you, where are you using your skills? I don't code for fun, but that's also because coding is not a place of catharsis for me. Like <laughs> when I get to the end of a problem, that feeling is euphoric, but like the process of getting there is so like, it, it's infuriating to me. Cause I just like, am constantly just like trying to figure it out and like brute force my way through it. Cause I don't always have like that modular approach to coding, but uh, getting back to how I do this on a regular basis, when I wasn't a manager, 
I would do very intense advanced SQL scripting um, because my job required me to do a lot of data analysis and visualization and like, like insights development. Um, now I, I do a little bit of SQL where it, it makes sense. I have readability in some respects for like, if I need to go into code in our like repository or whatever and understand what's going on or if somebody brings a problem to me that might be a bug and then we can validate it in code i can do that but i don't code on a regular basis thankfully i've got like four uh very technical like engineering or i guess solution architects that are on my team who do a large chunk of that type of development work on my behalf when it makes sense for business. nice good what's the how many people do you manage? That's another interview question. But how many people do you actually manage at Google? Do you think? So right now, I'm, right now I have eight direct reports, oh, which means that. that my calendar is Tetris on a regular basis. Yeah. And I actually might be taking on a few more in a short-term basis. But that's kind of the best part about my job is being able to like take my active listening and really understand what are the things that they are seeing as being opportunities and that are going to help them to stretch and like positioning them in a way that allows for their projects to get the right amount of shine to make sure that they have like done their technical due diligence and that they have all of the appropriate stakeholder mapping in place so that they can get to the right people and like get ahead of problems. So I, I love that part of my job. Nice. Um, so talk to me about like, we talked a little about Google culture, Google culture is cool, right? Like food, fun, great. Like uh, it's gotta be sweet. Calling it campuses. Yeah, let's go. Um, <laughs> but what about like the, the Google processes? Like, are they real? I know like, I don't know, we try and do use like the OKR stuff, which is a Google, Google idea. Um, and like, what about like mentoring and kind of career advancement at Google? Like, who are your mentor mentors and like do they do they actually follow the things that like the the google of myth and legend does and says yeah so the answer to that everything you asked is yes um i heavily lean into okrs because i tend to be more of an operations based person and it's a it's a very it's a very clear way of setting intention about how you want to utilize time, how you want to utilize mm -hmm. resources, and also how do you create priority in a sea of like so many different things that you could be doing at a given time, right? So we actually just recently finished our six-month cycle OKR planning for Q2 and Q3. I feel really good about it. Um, so yeah, huge thing that we all do across Google. Um, from a mentorship standpoint, it's definitely something that I've learned over the time being at Google, how to navigate. Uh, it's a really big organization, obviously. And, you know, it is taken time for me to find who are the people that I know that have shown up for me that have like very tangibly invested in my success. And those are the people that I hold close. Um, most of them have been previous managers, like my, the, the manager that hired me into Google is someone that has you know grown to become a sponsor of mine which i'm incredibly thankful for um other managers that i've had are people that i know that in you know times of challenge i can go to and ask questions and they'll help me get out of my own way um and it's multifaceted because you know as a uh, a person of color at google um 
there is even more of a need to make sure that there is space for mentorship so that you can, you know, get through the largesse of the organization while also being able to be visible in a way that doesn't require you to go above and beyond just to be seen as capable at, in the first place. Yeah. Um, did, I'm sorry. Uh, so you, you, you got a lot there. So do you want to talk more about for somebody at Google or somebody who wants to get a job at Google or somebody who wants to move from a, being a technical person into management, you want to give advice. Um, I feel like you should give advice in that, but maybe first you want to like give advice to, cause I, I was talking to a, one of our uh, employees at Enoch soft, who's like, who's leaving, like she's a woman coming into computer science. And, and I feel like it's like such a, white guy dominated thing like do you want to talk more about that like i'm i've i feel like i have no expertise into like as the white guy in the room like i'm like oh shit what do i say like i don't know nothing but like (laughs) um like i don't know i I try to motivate her today to be like hey you can do this you can learn like you know my my mom and my sister were both in the field um like do you want to talk more about that that's like take take a minute to talk about that if you want to if not, I, th- I feel like it would be helpful for you to talk about um, how a, a like technical person who wants to be a manager could like make that move or like somebody who wants to get a job at Google, like, a, a, you know, the, the kid out there who's like, I want to I want to work for Facebook or Snapchat or whatever the, the hot you know thing is of the day. Um, maybe talk about both. Uh, and- yeah, yeah. It's, it's a really, it's a really great question. And honestly, there's a lot of intersectionality in all those things that you just talked about. And at the core of it is, do I have the confidence that I have the worth to be seen as capable in this space that doesn't necessarily look like how I look, right? So that could be for the student that just graduated from school, that didn't get a computer science degree, but that feels that Google is the place that they need to be and recognizing that it's okay. And yes, you are a person that would benefit from, or that Google would benefit from having, even if you don't like code on a regular basis, or if you are, you know, a woman uh, and you are an engineer and you work in a team of people that don't look like you and you want to make sure that your voice is heard the element of this that really is important from a mentorship standpoint and that I try to embody as a manager is to create space for people to feel like they're heard, that they're seen, and that they are encouraged to try and fail. And that's okay, right? Like there've been so many opportunities that have come my way because people have given me the chance to show and prove and that I'm not penalized if I'm not able to succeed in the way that maybe I wanted or thought that I could, right? So one of the prime examples is I actually interviewed for a role at Google uh, for someone that was my mentor and basically had like everything set, feeling really good about it, went into the tech interview and totally bombed it just because I was not confident that I could go into that interview and show and prove, even though I knew I had the, te- the technical capability to do it. 
And what that hiring manager, who was also my mentor, did was offer the opportunity for me to do a 20% project on their team, which then gave me the opportunity to prove to myself that the failure of not getting through the interview was not something that should limit me, especially knowing that I had the opportunity and I had the ability to do it. So, you know, tying this all together, it's really just making sure that people don't feel like they're less than and that they have someone that's willing to invest in them and give them the time and the space to, to do something because then they'll probably figure something out about themselves that they never thought that they were capable of. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's good, man. Uh, I, have, I have a little bit of a challenge for you. Sorry. Cheering up here a little bit. <laughs> Take a drink. <laughs> but it's good. The confidence thing is so important though. It's like, this is such a, a lot of the tech culture is very much like, you know, read, read the manual and like, you, you should know this. And like, it, there's so much to know, man. Just like give people a break and give them a, like people are bright and like, it's, there's a lot out there and there's a lot of misinformation out there. And even like Googling doesn't work as well as it did anymore because, you know, it's, <laughs> so there's just a, there's a C, you know, um, yeah. my, my challenge, and I, I've been doing this, formally and kind of informally the past couple of months is like, do you, do you do mentoring yourself? Like, do you, I don't know. I, I signed up for this like LinkedIn career mentoring thing, like code mentor and the kids I talk to, it's like this, like, I don't know, Alexander, 17 years old from Sweden. And like, you know, I, I want to start my own SaaS company. And like, yes, let's go. Or like, you know, Marcos, maybe he's like 20 in Brazil. is like, I don't want to leave Brazil. Like, yeah, do you work remotely? Let's go. Like, do you do that? Um, are you okay? Like, I don't want to like put you on blast on LinkedIn or anything like that. But like, how, how do you, how would, does one become a disciple of Gerard? Um, and like, other than like, just like, okay, talking on this not highly syndicated podcast, like how, how do you, how do you do your own like outreach, you know? Yeah. I mean, I'm a, a strong proponent of pay it forward. So I have found multiple opportunities in my space at Google to do mentorship. There's actually a program that just recently expanded to our global business organization called Starlight, which focuses on providing mentorship to our um, more junior uh, uh, um, ICs or individual contributors of color at the company within the global business organization. And in addition to, you know, having three individual mentees that I've been meeting with on a regular basis just to help coach and be a sounding board, I was able to put together a, uh, a program that was centered around problem solving techniques and tying that to like what we do within the global business organization, which was well received. And I want to be able to do more of those. I, I would say I definitely have done more of my mentorship within Google. Uh, and to some extent, I've done it with Kalamazoo as an alma mater. Yeah. But I would like to find other opportunities because it's a passion of mine. I, I really have found a lot of uh, value in mentorship and just coaching in general. So you know, I don't know what the next step like that looks, but I definitely have it as something that I set as an intention personally. Yeah, you know, it, it's good and it feels good. Like I, I could do, I could talk to people all day about like, you know, improving themselves and giving them, you know, because 
I don't know, for me, I, I have such, I feel like I have extreme confidence, but I've also, as you, as you know, I've like failed massively in my life and career before. So I talk to people and I'm like, yo, dude, like I, I did just fine. Like you'll be fine too. Just like go, go forward. And like, maybe this is some stuff not to do. Um, mm-hmm. And it's, it's good. It's, it's fun. So anyway, that, that let's end it there. It's like, you know, young computer scientists slash managers slash, you know, Google wannabes, you guys can do it. Um, you know, if you, if you reach out to us with some, some real stuff, like maybe we'll talk to you. We won't shut you down. We just mute you. You're annoying, but, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but seriously though, everybody let's go get it. Um, there's, I feel like even in this, you know, kind of crisis world, I, Part of me wants to gloat and be like, yeah, like tech's the future, remote tech is awesome. But it's also like, it should be a motivating thing too. Like not like nana nana poo poo, you didn't do it. It's like, you could still have time. Like, yeah, there, it doesn't, it really doesn't matter kind of how old you are. Like you can, you can, you can pick this stuff up and do it. And there's like, there's so much good work and data and jobs and there's fun stuff to do out there like there's just so many people innovating and just leaving kind of like dangling sweet projects out there for somebody to pick up and run with it's not you can execute you can help so i, I think that's a cool story yeah. i you, you took me to a place i didn't know i was going to go today gerard but <laughs> thanks. No. i guess that's the, the risk of of a you know happy hour podcast but um i'll take it um anyway it, Anything else you got? Any closing words? Uh, you know, it's funny. I have this uh, this printout that Google does this thing called Manager Whisperer. And it's just like different concepts that they send to managers to help them with how to adjust and like how to be better leaders. And the one that I saw that really struck me recently was this one called Staying Flexible in Complex Times. And there's a quote on the top of it that says, the measure of intelligence is the the ability to change by Albert Einstein. And I was like, oh, okay. So really it's just about finding opportunities to learn something else that gives you the opportunity to change. And like you put it so well in that you've been able to fail forward into something awesome continually. And everyone should want to do that and feel empowered and encouraged to do that. Yeah, and they also had a great support. Like my my whole talk about your mentors crew. Like my my crew is really good. Like they they support me. It's almost it's almost gross. I almost wish they wouldn't as much sometimes. <laughs> like, are you sure, guys? Um, but no, it's good. All right, before I start like balling, let's end this. Um, it it was fun. Uh, I I love it. It's really great, and I appreciate you. Um. That's it for today. We'll see you guys next week. Feel free to send us a voice message, an email, or a LinkedIn message. You can see all the links in the show notes. Have a great week.